Welcome to episode 161 of Sweat Out, Happiness In. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we believe that fitness should be for anybody, everybody, and everybody. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Episode 161, we've got a special announcement. I'm pregnant! (laughs) Insert sound effects, emojis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's been, I mean, obviously, it's always so funny to announce your pregnancy officially because you've been pregnant for three months usually. And so you're just like, it feels like I've been pregnant forever already. <laughs> yeah, I keep asking Lauren. I'm like, why Why can't it just be like out of the open? Yeah, right? but of course, I mean, there's a lot of reasons and you can experience, um, you know, you can experience miscarriages in the first trimester and it's just... I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of sensitivity, a lot of nerves around the first trimester that um, it just makes it hard to to share too early because if anything does go wrong, um, it's harder to then feel like you have to then unshare or share harder news and yeah, it's just yeah tough. yeah and yeah we've definitely um, yeah def- <laughs> there's definitely a lot uh, to it but I just wish it was less of such a taboo subject i guess because it's like you know you're you're out here for the last 12 weeks just so nauseous throwing (laughs) up most mornings and trying to just keep it all together and it's like it's tough and i mean you at least at least right now we're in a position where we don't have to see that many people but i also feel for all the people out there that are going into their office jobs yeah. or having to go from zoom meeting to zoom meeting to zoom meeting and trying on trying to like put on a happy, happy face, face. <laughs> while they're like i'm gonna throw up like at any moment kind of thing so it is like a it's such a interesting position to be in yeah. for those three months and it's like also like exciting but also like you mentioned nerve-wracking so there's all these sorts of emotions that come to play and it's like oh i i can only basically talk to my partner if if you know <laughs> yeah i mean this time around i was i had such a rough first trimester that i actually told some of my friends early because i just i needed like some of my friends who were already moms because i was like i yeah. need to talk to you be like i need to just like i need your sympathy basically because <laughs> 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 sometimes that's all you need is somebody to be like oh yeah it is brutal and you're a rock star for getting through this and then you're like okay yeah i can get through it but when you can't tell anyone and yeah it's just it's so hard it's so hard so anybody who's in their first trimester right now we feel you this is so hard you're doing awesome i have this hilarious video that i'll be posting at some point (laughs) um so we were um this was at the gym we were i was um just setting up for filming for one of our on-demand filming sessions for uh with one of our team members and i like noticed out of the corner of my eye that lauren is behind the work bar like crouching and I know she had just gone to Target, so I was like, is she crouching and hiding and eating something right now? <laughs> just like in total privacy. So like I took out my phone and I was like just showing like the whole recording setup. And then I slowly panned over to where Lauren was and I walked over to her. And you know, sure enough, she's like crushing a bag of Cape Cod potato, potato chips. chips. <laughs> just like crunching away. And she... <laughs> Just your reaction when you got caught was awesome. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. This was uh, – when I was pregnant with Kendrick, I had, like, two weeks of morning sickness, like, of nausea. And it was like, oh, uh, like, yeah, I feel a little yucky. Like, it really just – I thought it was not great. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, first trimester isn't fun. But for me, ultimately, with him, the third trimester was definitely by far the hardest with – I had a lot of heartburn and things like that. But 
oh my gosh, this time around, way different. So totally different experience. I don't know if it's the fact that we're having a girl or what's the difference, but oh my goodness, the nausea has been brutal. And I feel like I'm 13 weeks tomorrow and I feel like I'm just feeling today. Just literally today was the first day that I brushed my teeth and didn't feel like I was going to immediately Ugh, puke. <laughs> so yeah, that's always, that's been fun. But anyway, enough of that. But yeah. We're feeling good. We're on the other side of the first trimester and just excited to be welcoming a baby girl in yeah, September. Super excited. Yeah. Um, cool. So we'll get into today's episode. Today's episode is all about the one skill that we think everyone really needs to be able to possess when they are training, strength training in any form. And really any form of training, but it really translates uh, especially well to strength training because it, uh, the the effects of not having this ability gets really magnified when you're holding a lot of weight in your hands, basically, or on your back. But that skill is, and what we have talked about fairly often on this show, is rib cage to pelvis connection. All right? And that's kind of like a lengthy way to say just trying to not let your lower back arch during movements, right? And this is something that we try to accomplish within the first six to eight weeks of someone training with us in person. Um, Back when we had our gym, this was like one of our primary focuses. How can we get the person to understand where their ribcage is in space and how to get them the idea of connecting their ribcage to their pelvis during strength training movements and develop that sort of stiffness and coordination when they're doing things like squats and deadlifts and stuff like that. So if you are listening out there and you've experienced, um, you know, injuries in your extremities like your shoulders, your hips, your elbows, your knees, kind of on a frequent basis when you're strength training, um, or maybe you feel like you've been hitting some plateaus fairly frequently in terms of your strength training, then this podcast is probably going to be extremely useful for you because in increasing the ability to connect your ribcage to your pelvis is going to have a massive impact in terms of how you can both absorb and transmit force because in between your extremities, your arms and your legs is just a whole region, your trunk, your core, your pillar. These are all terms that are thrown out there in the strength training world, but the ability to control that means that you can maximally impact the ability to absorb and transmit force. And those are going to be key factors in terms of preventing injuries, but also going past strength training plateaus. Yeah. I think a lot of times people say here that if you have lower back pain, you just need to get a stronger core. Like your core just needs to be stronger. And people don't always necessarily know what that means or what type of core exercises actually help prevent lower back injuries. And so when you think about core exercises, a lot of times, times people only think about abs and they only think about things like crunches basically like the like six-pack muscles so anything right. that feels like you work your abs they burn your six-pack muscles burn that's what we think about when we hear core training and it's really gotten to the point where that's actually not even helping at this point and sometimes even harmful when that's the only type of core training that you're doing yeah. and so yeah we want to talk about that's why we didn't want to just say your core, like we're talking about more so the positioning that you're able to maintain through your trunk while performing other movements. Yeah. And you can have really strong abs, but have a 
weaker ability to connect your rib cage to your pelvis. Mm-hmm. You can have a quote unquote weak core. Um, so just having six pack abs does not mean that you are suddenly uh, have the ability to have this connection. And in fact, we've known that a lot of bodybuilders actually have uh, a difficult time with this because they're so focused on just crunching and flexing over and over and over again that they've neglected that this whole rib cage to pelvis connection really entails your your entire trunk basically from the 360 degrees it's not just the front of your your body but it's also the back it's also the sides and how everything along that entire sort of um range of motion uh connect well together so it's yeah. not just one specific area it's the entire diameter yeah yeah, it's basically the whole middle of your body. <laughs> um, so in this podcast, we just wanted to explain our four-part progression. It, it doesn't end there, but this really sets a really strong foundation for people. Four-part progression um, that basically really gets people the idea of how to dial in their rib cage to pelvis connection. All right, and the four parts are going to be uh, crocodile breathing, supine marching, dead bugs. And stability ball dead bugs. And we know that when we get these four kind of uh, straight, squared away, straightened away, squared away, <laughs> either way, uh, either way uh, we know that this is a really strong foundation for people to build off of and they have a more uh, conceptual awareness of how to do so. All right. But Lauren, do you want to kick things off with talking about crocodile breathing, how we cue it, and just why it's important? Yeah. So when, I mean, when we're talking about crocodile breathing, that's actually just one form of learning how to diaphragmatically breathe so that's the one that we tend to go to first and I'll explain why but really what we're talking about is learning how to breathe incorporating your diaphragm and how to breathe in a pattern that's actually a functional breathing pattern and not a pattern where we tend to hold tension in our chest and our neck and our traps and things like that so um, crocodile breathing specifically is lying on your belly so having your body just in a straight line lying on your belly we usually stack one hand over the other and rest the top of our head on top of our hands and the reason that we like to start cueing breathing in this position is because the floor actually provides some feedback when you inhale and exhale because your stomach is actually against the floor and we're trying to incorporate more of a belly breath into your breathing pattern because oftentimes when people breathe in they actually tend to suck in their stomach and and elevate their shoulders so they take this big inhale they expand their chest they expand their shoulders their shoulders raise up toward their ears and their belly actually pulls in and then they exhale and everything goes out and we actually want the opposite effect we actually want when you breathe in for an expansion to happen through your whole trunk so through your belly through your ribs through your sides through your back everything in this sort of 360 degree um area that Jason was just referring to, we want to expand. And that means that your diaphragm is actually incorporated into your breathing, that your pelvic floor is incorporated into your breathing, and that everything's working the way that it should. When you suck in, you're actually limiting the amount that your diaphragm can actually contribute to your breathing. And your diaphragm is actually a big part, a component of your core and of being able to stabilize your core. So what we want to think about instead is we get down onto your belly, head on your hands, First, we just say, try to relax through your shoulders because oftentimes when people get into that position, their shoulders are almost touching their ears. So we just try to have them relax their shoulders down, get that tension out of their head, out of their neck. And then we say, when you breathe in, I want you to feel the feedback of the floor that you're pressing out into the floor with your belly and expanding through your sides as well. And so that floor is just there for a little feedback. If you're not comfortable laying down 
uh, face down. You can do the same thing laying on your back with your knees bent, and that's just gonna, you're just not gonna get that feedback, but you can use your hands on your belly as a way to get that feedback. Um, so we're thinking breathe in, expand everything, breathe out, everything comes back in. Yep. Um, and as you're breathing in, did you touch on this? As you're breathing in, try to think about breathing in through your nose. Oh, yeah, I didn't say that. And then slowly breathing out through your mouth. And ideally, it should take about three to four seconds on your inhale and about three to four seconds on your exhale. That just ensures that everything is going slowly and at the rate that we're trying to uh, look for. And as a visual, speaking of babies, it helps to, to actually just watch a baby breathe <laughs> on their backs. And you'll notice that for the most part, it's calm breathing down in towards their stomach right towards their belly uh you rarely see a baby hyperventilate and kind of like uh breathe into their chest and their shoulders we want this sort of relaxed state while you're breathing to kind of set the stage for better mobility and better stability um, throughout the training process yeah and this can be really challenging especially if you have a history of um any sort of body image issues because we are so prone if that's I mean this is something that I dealt with as a gymnast like we're always taught to suck in our bellies and from an early age so if you ever did a sport like that or if you've ever just been uncomfortable in your body to the point where you want to suck everything in you're so used to holding so much tension in and not ever allowing your belly to relax like it's actually a challenge to do this early on if you've been spending an entire lifetime holding tension in there and you're you're going to struggle with this a lot actually it's going to take a lot of practice you're going to find yourself throughout the day holding that tension and then if you remember to relax you're going to be amazed at how much better you actually feel once you allow your belly to soften and everything to actually work in this pattern with your breathing um so it's not something that that will just overnight change it's something that you want to incorporate into your everyday life but this drill is going to help you just just be aware even of where your breath is going. And then throughout the day, you want to try to be incorporating this breathing where you're inhaling and expanding, exhaling and bring everything, letting everything come back down. Yeah. And that's a perfect segue to our exercises moving forward, because we also want to try to adopt this breathing while we're performing these exercises uh, that we're about to to talk about. Um, Because as soon as you start to hold your breath or start to breathe up towards your neck and your traps and your face, um, that's going to sort of negate a lot of the core benefits because we're, again, drawing pressure away from the core and placing it on other areas. And that's why a lot of people feel stiffness in their necks or stiffness in their traps when they're doing some core work because they're not able to get that tension down in their core and in their uh, rib cage to pelvis connection and end up putting it somewhere else. All right. So let's have, uh, Lauren, can you discuss supine marching for us? Yes. Okay. So now we're going into the first sort of quote unquote core exercise, Um, although you can definitely consider breathing a core exercise as well. But we're going to go into supine marching. So this is lying on your back with your knees up at 90 degrees. So your feet are off the floor, your femurs are pointed straight up, and then your shins are are parallel to the ground. So that 90 degree angle there with your arms just down by your sides. And for some folks, this is actually going to be a challenge in itself, just holding this position without allowing your rib cage to flare. So the first thing we do is actually set your rib cage into the position that we want it to be in. When we get into this position, a lot of times we end up just naturally allowing our ribs to flare and our lower back is, we kind of have a lot of space between our lower back and the floor. And we want to 
think about trying to set our ribs down. So we're not trying to, it's more about your ribs than about trying to press your lower back into the floor. We're not trying to flex at your spine. We're more so thinking about trying to depress your rib cage down, which is going to result in your lower back pressing down toward the floor. But honestly, just depending on um, the size of your butt, <laughs> it's gonna de- that's gonna make a difference in terms of if your lower back ends up being flat on the floor, or if you have a little bit of a natural curve in your back still, that's fine. That's not really what we're concerned about. We're mostly concerned about getting your ribs down. Yeah, this is a really tricky position to adopt, especially if you have a tendency to sort of arch the back and let your rib cage flare out. But like what Lauren said, keeping your hands on your rib cage itself can really be a helpful kind of marker to allow you to do so. The thing that we really don't want you to do is kind of set yourself down and then lift up your hips to try to flatten everything out. That's mm. not creating connection through uh, stability. You're just kind of kind of faking it by putting your body in a position where it looks like you're connecting your ribcage to your pelvis, right? Yeah, so what we like to do instead is sort of this flossing pattern where we floss from in between a less ideal pattern and a more ideal pattern just by using your hands on your ribs and just sort of by manipulating where your rib cage is in space. So we get onto your back in that position like I was saying and then we kind of exaggerate the arch. So flare your rib cage out and then from there placing your hands on your ribs, press the ribs down, breathe out and just kind of get into a more natural state of the ribs down without going into without moving your hip tucking your hips under or doing anything really extreme with your movement yeah definitely yeah that flossing pattern really helps just to kind of go in and out of it because each time you go back and forth you'll finally you'll get more range in either direction Mm. and eventually you'll get to that point where you feel really solid in that ribs down position yeah and when jason's talking about rib cage to pelvis connection what he's talking about is that your rib cage should should sit directly over your pelvis we haven't actually explained that and we don't mean that like you should be crunching your ribs toward your pelvis (laughs) just to just to clarify so we basically what we're aiming to do here is to get into this sort of cylinder where your ribs are sitting directly over your pelvis so everything is nice and stacked even though you're in a supine position so you're laying down the reason we like to do it laying down is because we don't have to worry about gravity playing into the equation or your center of mass playing into the equation you're just on the ground you're kind of in a clean slate and you get to set this foundation laying on your back yes definitely um and then you want to talk about uh, actually moving the legs now yes so once you're comfortable in this position and something that you might find is that if it's challenging enough here that you just start with breathing in this position so you might just do sets of eight to ten breaths in that in that supine position with your legs up at 90 degrees but once you're ready to progress from there you're going to start by just lowering your heel down to tap the floor and pulling it back up. And we're gonna start doing this with your knees bent. So you keep the angle of your knees at 90 degrees, one leg stays in place while the other leg lowers down, you tap your heel, you pull it back in, and then you switch sides, tap the other heel down and pull it back in. And the goal here is to be able to move your leg while maintaining your ribs down position. So we're we're mostly considering are you getting any movement through your trunk? We don't want to see any movement through your trunk. We only want the movement to come through your leg. And we want to see you be able to resist movement through your trunk while you move your extremities. And then once you feel that you can do that bent leg, heel tap pretty confidently, then we can start to extend your leg a little straighter. So maybe you have your knee just slightly bent and you tap your heel out and switch sides. And then eventually you can go to legs all the way straight out. Yeah, definitely. Um... But yeah, basically what you're doing 
with this sort of leg reaching out movement is that you're trying to keep your rib cage and pelvis connection while your extremities are moving, right? And for right now, we're only doing the legs. Um, but basically, that's what really functional training and exercise and life really in general entails is trying to keep good stability throughout your trunk while your extremities are moving. Your extremities are going to be producing the force and absorbing the force, but ultimately you can't do that if your trunk isn't in proper alignment. And so that's what we're trying to do right now. Have proper alignment, try to keep it while your extremities are moving. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to start to add the upper extremities to the equation as we move the lower extremities. Lauren, do you want to talk about the dead bug? Yep. So the progression basically from marching to dead bug is just incorporating the arms. So the way that we like to do this is you start in the same position, laying on your back with your legs up at 90 degrees, but now your arms, instead of being on the floor by your sides, are pointed straight up to the ceiling. And then what you're going to do from here is you want your opposite arm and leg to be moving at the same time. So you're going to raise your right arm overhead as you lower your left leg out and then and again we can start shorter lever meaning you start with your knee bent and then progress to going to legs out straight once you get more comfortable and just incorporating the arms and legs is not only not only does it make it more challenging but it also more so gets the sort of cross-body connection that is required for things like walking and jogging and running and sprinting where your opposite arm and leg are moving in unison. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do to accomplish with the dead bug is just now incorporating both limbs working at the same time um, in that cross-body pattern that we like to see. Yeah, and just making sure again that you are maintaining quality breathing, that you're not being overly tense in your neck and your traps and your face and just being overly um, not relaxed, but just not overly tensing up top, right? Yeah. And we often cue our uh, in-person members to uh, maintain a Zen face where they are just being relaxed in their face and not scrunching up and holding their breath and being overly uh, tense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is going to feel, for some of you, it's going to be surprising because you might be able to do very advanced ab exercises, but then be extremely challenged by doing this the right way. Yes. So you might be able to, you might get on your back and just start throwing your arms and legs around and you can do it no problem and, you know, you think it's easy, but then once you actually incorporate the breathing and you incorporate the rib cage positioning, you might start to shake right off the bat without even moving your arms and legs. And it might be a little bit of an ego hit at first. It certainly is. We've had, you know, experienced CrossFitters come in and they want some help because they've got, they've had some injuries and we start them with these drills and they definitely see us demonstrate them and kind of question <laughs> where we're going with this. Like this looks so rudimentary. It looks so easy. But once they actually understand the intention behind it, it changes the exercise completely. So even if you think, oh, I know I know I can already do that. We definitely challenge you to now try it with the lens of this isn't about how hard is my core working. This is about how well is everything working together. So how well am I able to breathe while I'm performing this movement? How well am I able to maintain my positioning while performing this movement? That really changes the way that you view the exercise and also the amount that it will challenge you. Yeah. Um, I should have mentioned also with with marching and with dead bugs that you want to maintain a pretty steady breathing pattern um, while you're performing these exercises as well. So what you can think about is exhaling as you lower the leg out and inhaling as you bring the leg back in. That's going to help you to maintain that steady breathing pattern and kind of gives you some guidance in terms of how to 
breathe when you're when you're performing it yeah definitely all right cool so that is step number three finally our fourth and final not final but fourth (laughs) step of this progression is the stability ball dead bug and it's basically a dead bug with a stability ball in between your two extremities do you want to elaborate on that yeah so you're holding a stability ball between your uh upper thigh and your forearm basically so it should be off of your belly so it's just kind of between your knees and your wrists or your thighs and your forearms depending on where you need to place it the size of the ball the size of yourself what you know whatever feels the most comfortable but somewhere where you can press into the ball with a good amount of pressure because what we want to do now is actually use the ball for some feedback to be able to press in with the non-working arm and leg and then extend with the working arm and leg and then come back to the middle push and extend and then come back to the middle yeah so now you're just amplifying a lot more of that force you know this is an exercise that is is still challenging for lauren and i no matter how much we do it so it's it's like it's very challenging we could start the process here but we found that it's so challenging that people their breathing tends to get really labored. Uh, they can't keep a zen face, and it just becomes too much for them, which is why this is the fourth part of the progression. We do find, funny enough, that having the ball makes it easier to maintain pressure, I feel like, yes. because there's so much feedback. But because it creates so much more high-tension strategies, we placed it towards the end well because it's harder to breathe properly yeah so it's yeah it's easier to feel your abs for sure and it's easier to keep your ribs down because you're getting the feedback of pressing into the ball with your arms kind of naturally sets your rib cage down in that position um but it also can if you haven't practiced proper breathing and if you haven't practiced just maintaining the positioning without that external feedback then it can definitely very easily become just a hold your breath and struggle through it type of exercise which there's a time and a place for things like that, but when we're talking about trying to establish a really solid rib cage to pelvis connection in terms of then having that translate to some of your bigger lifts, like deadlifts and squats, we really want to do it without holding all of that extra tension in your neck and in your shoulders because none of those things are going to help in a positive way when we're going into those heavier lifts. Yes, definitely. So that was our four-part progression. Um, we usually start our members or in-person people with crocodile breathing and the supine marching those first two steps kind of go hand in hand Mm -hmm. then we spend about four to six weeks at that supine marching stage until they can get their legs fully straight with good control with quality breathing while maintaining his end face and then we move to dead bugs but we might go longer we might go shorter so kind of you don't want to just race through these progressions in one day is basically what i'm trying to say is spend you know uh, at least multiple sessions or multiple weeks. And for us, we usually err on the side of caution. So we spend four to six weeks at each stage before moving on to the dead bug and then before moving on into the stability ball dead bug. And just knowing and being aware that no matter how frequently you do these, the dead bug and the stability ball dead bug, like I still shake as soon as I get into the right position and move with mindfulness for yeah. those two two, uh, two exercises. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like what Lauren was saying before, we get our more experienced lifters in person, like a CrossFitter, let's say, who can just move a ton of weight. We get them in this position and they are shaking and sweating and they want to hold their breath. <laughs> um, and it is tough to kind of, quote unquote, take a step back and do these exercises. But it ha- it's just 
provides such a strong foundation. One of our um, crossfitters that we worked with, he had a 200-pound snatch uh, coming into working with us. We didn't snatch for literally three months, um, and we just worked on kind of these foundational movements and getting getting these sorts of um, yeah foundational movements uh, squared away. Three months after the fact, he ended up snatching 225 after we started training because he was like, this is f- still feeling easy, feeling easy, feeling easy. And we just kept going up. And we just wanted to kind of test out where he was at. And he got to 225 without any additional specialized training. And that's just a testament to how maintaining good stiffness in your core translates to stronger and stronger lifts. Yeah, it's not always about following the perfect progression for the lift. I mean, oftentimes, especially if you're early on in your lifting career, you can just keep adding five pounds and keep adding five pounds and do this linear progression and it feels like you can do it forever. But there's going to be a certain point where there needs to be more more going on going into your programming and you need to be more specific with your training than just following the like he was still following a good progression you know for his snatches but he just got stuck and it was because there were these underlying issues that could have been taken care of earlier but once we did take care of them just unlocked basically all of this potential that he had like strength wise he had he just wasn't able to access it because so much was holding him back from just core stability and breathing and all that yeah and a lot of this podcast uh, the reason why we actually spoke about it today was because we received a message from one of our um, Rise training clients who was talking about how she had tight shoulders and she was experiencing some shoulder and some elbow pain. And I said, okay, like let, let, let's take a look at a video of doing some overhead presses and doing some push-ups and let's just see if there's anything that we spot uh, from a video point of view. And she sent them over and I could definitely see that her shoulders were restricted overhead But then I worked further down the chain and I also noticed that her upper back was a little bit tight as well. And then I finally noticed that her lower back had a fairly significant arch while she was going through the movements. And it it just goes to show how much of a chain reaction that it could uh, that can happen as a result of not being able to connect your ribcage to the pelvis and how it presents later down the line as tight shoulders. And so you can do as many mobility drills as you want for those tight shoulders, but it'll never actually change if the underlying issue of the ribcage pelvis connection isn't addressed in the first place. And that's what Lauren is talking about when we're talking about more underlying stuff, more foundational stuff that can have a massive impact down the line. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's our podcast. We about never have. We never ever have a conclusion. We're always like, "Yes." Yeah, so until next time. <laughs> oh, one more thing, actually, and you know, speaking of ribcage to pelvis connection, uh, we don't want you to think that being super stiff and being able to stay connected all the time is the end goal. We don't want to be walking around very like tense Rigid, in our midsection yeah. at all times. We want to be able to just have that control and have that ability. But we actually want to be able to express a wide variety of movement. We want you to be able to touch your toes. We want you to be able to get into a yoga cobra pose, no problem. So we want a lot of mobility in your spine, but we also want the ability to just quickly, just within a snap of a finger, get into a ribcage to pelvis connected position. So it's it's all about control rather than just maintaining one rigid position. Yeah, definitely. That's a really helpful thing to add because I think a lot of people hear this and think, oh, I should never arch my back or I should never round my back. Yeah. But that's certainly not what we're saying. We're saying the ability to control 
the movement is is important, just as important as the ability to move through your spine. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Great. Um, cool. So I, we actually just before we end, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, one of our coaches, Sarah. She is she. Well, first of all, she's been with us at Achieve for over six years. She yep. was one of our very first hires. She's been the biggest rock star. I mean, she's just fantastic. And um, one of the you know, one of the hardest things about closing the gym was the fact that we had to let our team go and that's been such a struggle for Jason and I and something that has been really awesome is that our full-time team sort of came together and they're doing they're creating their own business basically their yeah. own little um, collaboration and they're doing online training and we're just like beyond beyond the moon excited for them to be able to have something to continue on doing with each other because they're such an awesome team um, and something that Sarah has been doing is uh, and she's done this before, is putting on workshops um, talking about mental health and how we can incorporate or how we can be a better coach to clients with anxiety, depression, or other mental health struggles. Um, Sarah is actually in school for, she's getting her master's um, in this area, and she has, is somebody who has struggled with anxiety and depression herself and has spoken really openly about it. So um, I just want to read a little blurb that she shared with us about a workshop that she's putting on. So if you're a coach, if you're a physical therapist, if you are if you work with clients in any setting, really, um, we think that this would be super beneficial for you. So I'm just going to read Sarah's, Sarah's blurb here, and uh, but just know that we are uh, very, very in support of this workshop. We really hope that you'll attend it. All right. So 46% of Americans will experience mental health struggles at some point in their life. At one time or another, it's very likely that as a coach, you'll find yourself training someone who's currently experiencing or who has experienced anxiety or depression. Coaches have a unique point of view to be able to provide support during mental health struggles, but how to do so while maintaining boundaries and within our scope of practice. Sarah has created a workshop called How to Be a Better Coach to Clients with Anxiety and Depression that will teach coaches how to do just that. Sarah is a lifetime anxiety haver and has coached hundreds of individuals over the past seven years, many of whom have re reflected how exercise have been, has been a part of their maintenance of their mental well-being. This course, course will teach coaches what anxiety and depression is, how it physically and mentally affects individuals, as well as gives concrete tools on how to build effective communication skills, how to create a supportive environment physically and culturally, and how to create and maintain boundaries to make sure as a coach you aren't giving from an empty, cu empty cup. So the workshop will be a virtual event on March 25th from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Prices on a sliding scale from $40 to $120. Pay what you can and hope to see you there. So, yeah, we think this workshop is definitely a must attend, uh, you know, as far as if you're a coach and is in, in this industry, you know that a lot of the education out there is very much on hard skills, technical skills, like the perfect programming method and the a perfect way to uh, execute a squad and there's like all these sorts of hard skill workshops out there but there's very few um, that focus on the soft skills that focus on um, mental health that focus on these these things that are just so important yeah. right like they should they should be talked about first and foremost and then we can talk about how to do a squat later on, right? Yeah. Like connecting with your clients, building rapport, building trust, having better communication. All these things are so paramount into developing a better relationship with your client that, um, that yeah, we just think that this is, is going to be um, a really good experience for a lot of you. Yeah. 
So we hope to see you there. Sarah definitely hopes to see you there. Um, we will link to her workshop in, in the Description, notes. yep. yep. Uh, uh, and that's actually all. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time. Wait, wait, we have to solicit oh, solicit shoot, reviews. Shoot, shoot, every time I do this. Um, some of you have been leaving such nice reviews. Mm. I read them all. And they make me so happy. Super happy. so nice. Somebody said that they wanted to be our friend, and we want to be your friend also. So um, <laughs> we want to be friends with all of you. But if you enjoy the podcast, if you've been getting a lot out of it, we would love for you to rate us on iTunes and leave us a review there. It's so, so helpful for us. It really helps us know that this is a worthwhile endeavor to keep going. Um, and make sure you subscribe as well if you're not already subscribed. Uh Anything else? I think now that's it. Oh, make sure you uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Oh, We're yeah. putting out a ton of content there, about three new videos every single week. Um, a lot of it is actually follow-along workout content. So it's literally you just press press the play button, grab a couple weights, and get going and working out with us because it's all real-time with timers and all that sort of fun stuff. So uh, it's at Jason and Lauren is our... Well, I guess there's no at in YouTube, but it's, it's Jason, and Jason and Lauren. Jason and Lauren. Slash Jason and Lauren on YouTube. slash C slash Jason and Lauren. I don't know what the C stands for. Channel, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. But we'll see you there. <laughs> we'll see you there. <laughs> Until next time. Sweat out. Happiness in. <laughs> <laughs>